Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are in Matthew chapter 7 in our Bibles. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, what a ride this uh, chapter has been, and it really is just straight up mountain highs, valley lows. I mean, the, the heaviness of this text is uh, pretty, it is pretty heavy, but I love how the Lord Jesus just turns it back, knows that we need a breath of fresh air, and we get to kind of come back up to the mountain high and enjoy some good moments here in the text. And so uh, I understand that the text is, is heavy sometimes, and I don't always want to preach through it. You, pastor, don't want to? Yeah. Who wants to talk about these heavy, difficult things and make people feel uncomfortable sometimes? I don't want to do that. I just want to have a good time. And, uh, but the Lord calls us to go through his text, through the Bible. That's the most powerful thing about teaching through the Bible is that I don't get to pick the topics. That's the best thing ever. Because if I pick the topics, you listen to me for two or three years, I'd be coming right back around to the same topics over and over and over and over. And you wouldn't get the whole counsel of the Word of God. And that's why I love the Word of God. It, Jesus forces me, even as a pastor, to go through all kinds of subjects I would never even think to preach on and to really give you a whole comprehensive meal. It's like uh, I could fix up in and out for you every single week, and it would be tasty, but it may not be the healthiest thing for you. You know, we need to throw in all of the goods on the plate, and I hope at the end of it all, we turn out very healthy and grounded long-term in our walk with the Lord. Amen? Matthew chapter 7 in our Bible is working through a series I've titled Jesus Worldview. Jesus Worldview, and this is sermon number 30 through the book of Matthew, and we're only in chapter 7. I don't know how that happened, but uh, the title of the message today is Go Knock on God's Door. Go knock on God's door if you're taking notes. Heard of a proud and confident genius. He makes a bet with an idiot. The genius says, hey, idiot, every question I ask you that you don't know the answer to, you have to give me five bucks. And if you ask me a question that I can't answer, I will give you $5,000. The idiot says, okay. The genius then asks, how many continents are there in the world? The idiot doesn't know and hands over five bucks. The idiot says, now me ask, what animal stands with two legs but sleeps with three? The genius tries and searches very hard for the answer, but gives up and has to hand over the 5,000 bucks. The genius says, dang it, I lost. By the way, what was the answer to your question? The idiot opens his wallet and hands over five bucks. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> he just made it up. <laughs> in a Catholic school cafeteria, a nun places a note in front of the pile of apples which reads, only take one, God is watching. <laughs> Further down the line is a pile of cookies. A little boy makes his own note and says, take all you want, God is watching the apples. <laughs> yes. Don't knock on God's door. We are all asking questions in life today, right now. We are all knocking on different doors, hoping to find a new opportunity. 
We're all seeking something, hoping to find the knowledge or information to help our lives. We desire something greater, there is no doubt. Something clear on the human being which is different from the animal kingdom is that we are not content with simply eating, sleeping, and breathing. We desire to create and grow and enjoy and explore. We want the meaning of life. You never see a dog sitting around thinking about the meaning of life. He's thinking about an ear scratch or a doggy treat or when's the next time he gets to go on a walk. We, though, are looking for the meaning. And it could be family sitting right under our nose this whole time. Today we get to go knock on God's door and find the answer. People climb mountains to go up to the top of a horizon to find a monk which may open a door which they knock on to give them the meaning of life, the answer to their life's questions. When here is the Lord Jesus right in front of us, giving us clear answers. This is what Jesus talks about today, knocking on God's door. We are in Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read through verses 7 to 11. If you'd like to stand for the reading of God's word, we'll read together. We always stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him, to remember whose word we are reading, not my words. These belong to him and him alone. And when the Lord Jesus speaks, I want to listen. I want his opinion. I want his worldview. That's what we're looking at today. Verse 7, Jesus says to his disciples, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if he, his son asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Jesus, we thank you for your clarity. We thank you that you desire to impart the wisdom of the relationship with our Father to us in this day. That we would know where to go. We would know where to knock. We would know where to ask. We would know where to seek. And we will find. The door will be opened. We know our Father loves to give good gifts to his kids. It's his favorite thing to do. And so we pray, Father, you would give us the greatest gift even now as we open your word. Minister to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Remember the context. Jesus is sharing this with his disciples. It's always important to remember the context when you're reading the Bible. You know, you never want to, well, you can, you know, I want to say you never want, you open to a place in the Bible and then you start reading and it shows you something 
And you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you, it's like ultimate revelation. You want to be careful with this because, you know, you be, you could be opening and it, it you open, it's like the, the wind blew, you know, and the sun glowed and the pages, and, and I looked down and it said, and Judas hung himself. Whoa! Lord, what, what's going on here, you know? And then and the wind blows and the sun beams down, and then you low and you look again, now go and do likewise. Whoa! We don't want to follow the scriptures in those ways. It actually is a book. You wouldn't open to the middle of a children's book and just read a line to your child. You're, you're reading through a book, and it's the same thing with this. A lot of times we will take this exact place and we'll just use it to say something. But we forget what was right before it, and we forget what's coming after it. And when you put it in its context, it's really interesting to think that the Jesus... What Jesus is saying, what he said right before he says this, because it's such an encouraging text, like, ask and it will be given to you. Seek uh, and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. It's so uplifting and encouraging. But just one verse before, it says, it talks about dogs and pigs and not throwing pearls and uh, holy things to the dogs. And if you have a plank in your eye, uh, don't, don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye. And then Jesus, boom, says, access and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. You're like, that doesn't sound right. It's not in the right place in the Bible. No, it is. It's important that we understand why it's there and why Jesus would say this right after those statements. The Lord has just warned us about judging each other. And the judgment we use will also be used on us one day. And that we are not to do so by focusing on others' sins as we are to focus on our own sin. First, before we go after another. When we reflect on passages like this, we can be very convicted and slightly discouraged. Thinking, look at all the planks in my eye. How will I ever get to a place of godliness? Or maybe thinking, the saved judgment that I used on others is going to be used on me. Oh no, I'm in big trouble. How will I ever grow in my walk with the Lord? Well, Jesus answers that question in these verses. Because if you remember, if you've been here for the last two weeks, you've probably been, like me, convicted of my own sin. And overwhelmed by my own sin. The planks in my eyes or the judging of others. Now Jesus gives us an encouraging answer. The Lord knows what he has just said in this sermon and he knows what needs to be said next. The passage, these passages were spoken in a particular order for good reason. They are not just randomly placed and recorded. The Lord encourages us by saying then, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. James tells us you have not because you ask not. In the context of that, he says, does anybody lack wisdom? Yes, I do. Let him ask and it will be given to you. Ask then. You got to go ask though. You know, just think about it. Go ask, Father, give me wisdom. 
Give me what I need to make these decisions. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I need you. Give me wisdom in my business. Give me wisdom in my marriage. Give me wisdom in my family. Give me wisdom with my friends. Give me wisdom in my church. Lord, I don't know how to lead these people. Give me wisdom to lead your people, Solomon prayed. To govern. Give me wisdom to be a king. He says, I don't know what I'm doing. We are all asking for something. We are all seeking something. We are all knocking on someone's door. It's interesting that we don't go knock on God's door. We go knock on everybody's door asking for all kinds of opinions and all kinds of advice, but we forget to knock on God's door. Knocking on heaven's door, huh? Only if believers would do this daily. I wonder what would happen to our lives. All the asking and seeking and knocking in our lives may not be the best if we are seeking and asking and knocking in the wrong direction. But Jesus tells us to keep on keeping. Be persistent in asking. For the one who asks will receive and the one who seeks will find and the one who knocks it will be opened. This is important. Persistence is the word. Oftentimes, I wonder if God has allowed something in my life so great so that it would bring me to my knees and get me knocking on his door. Lord, help. I need help. And I'm knocking. I'm knocking. Lord, are you there? Lord, help me. And then will he delay? Will he delay this thing in my life and not answer in this thing because he allows for the delay? So why? I will keep on knocking and having a conversation with him. Could it be that the trials and tribulations we go through in life are to bring us into closer relationship with him? Yes. It's very interesting that when life is going fantastic and everything's perfect, we find ourselves sometimes knocking less, praying less. But man, when a bomb goes off in our lives, something terrible goes on, we find ourselves in tears on our knees begging God to save. And he opens the door and says, oh, you're back. Where you been? I missed you. Son, come here. Are you doing okay? Daughter, come here. Let's go talk. Let's go walk. Many like to take this verse and use it to mean whatever I ask from God, he will give to me. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, I name and claim it to have hair tomorrow in Jesus' name. <laughs> Boom, afro. Au contraire, it's not true. Just keep asking, brother. It's going to happen, man. You're going to get your healing. <laughs> Do you have a toupee for me or something? Like, you have something I don't know? The Lord will give it, but not so. We have to understand what Jesus is telling us to ask for. Is he saying just ask for anything and everything and you will have it? Oh, no. This verse would be lying to us. After all, the disciples listening to him would all go to their deaths 
for the gospel. Surely God would save them from persecution and not allow the enemy to put them to death, to allow his own disciples, his own boys to be crucified, to allow them to be filleted, to allow them to be thrown from the pinnacle of the temple and then stoned, shot through with arrows. We know the apostle John banded the island of Patmos after they had tried to boil him alive in oil and it didn't work. They said, we're just going to put you out on an island by yourself forever. Surely these guys could have prayed and gotten themselves out of any of these situations, correct? No. God would say, for my glory. Christ would say, for my glory, I'm actually going to allow you to die for me. And lay down your life for me, which will spread the gospel to the ends of the earth even, even more. You will go down in history as giving your life for me as I gave it for you. And this will be the testimony to all of the saints. Did Job not cry and weep and beg God to save? Well, he didn't have enough faith. That's why God didn't heal him. Oh, no. The text says he was the most righteous man in his city. The most righteous dude. All of his kids die. He loses his business. He loses their homes. He even loses his own health. We know that the text says that he would take pot pottery to scrape the boils on his body, to scrape the pus out of the boils on his body because he was in such pain and agony. Surely God could heal him, but he left him in his pain. Why? Job would say for God's own glory. Naked I came into this world, and naked I shall go. The Lord gave and the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, he says. Job says, even if you slay me, O God, I will still praise you. Job says that he is being refined through the fire like gold to become pure. When you contrast trials with what happens in the believer's life, it is very interesting that our devotion to God becomes greater when we are under pressure or when we are going through difficulty. Thus that implies and declares that the best way for us is not to be wealthy and healthy and prosperous in everything. After all, was that the way of the Lord Jesus? Interesting. The most beautiful thing that came out of his life was the most pain that he endured in order to bring forth the most beautiful thing, salvation for all people. So could it be that the trials and tribulations in our life, sometimes we're begging God to pull them away from us, yet they are actually refining us and making us more like him, drawing us closer into relationship with him. Look, I don't like pain. I don't like going through difficult times. I don't like conflict. I don't enjoy the darkness of this world. But man, it's like fertilizer growing a tree. It's like you want those roses to come out more beautiful. Katie and I, we'd trim back the roses probably like three months ago. We'd prune them all the way back, cut the tops off, cut all the white roses off the top of them, and it's just like, ah, it's just green now, bummer. We took rose fertilizer and put it under there. Boom, explosion, like more roses than you could ever imagine. The pruning is not fun, 
But man, when the trials come, when the tribulations come, somehow it causes exponential growth in our lives. Could it be that we actually need this to bring us closer to God? Family, this verse would be lying to us if we could just ask whatever we want and it would be given to us. This is the name it and claim it thing, whatever we want. It's called prosperity gospel. The sad thing is, is people get sucked into it, believing that they can earn the blessing of God and that with enough prayer and tithing and sowing seed, they can actually get whatever they want. But not so. The sad thing is when people don't get what they want after they have done all these things, they think they, they, think they deserve to get it, and then they don't get it, and then they walk away from God. Say, Jesus didn't work for me. What do you mean? I did the whole thing, you know, I paid my membership fees, you know, I, I went to church every Sunday, you know, I prayed five times a day, and it just didn't happen. I didn't get the Ferrari, so I'm not going. We have to be careful because it is a dangerous gospel. And it's a easy gospel to sell. Think about it. I could work over the crowd very, very easily by saying, hey, come to Jesus. He's going to make you happy. He's going to make you wealthy. He's going to make you healthy. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Let's amp up the crowd. Let's amp up the stage. Let's get this thing going. God's going to bless you. God's going to do this. And you're like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Then in a, in a year from now, when everything comes crashing down, you get cancer and you're about to die, you're saying, where's God? We say, where is God? He was there the whole time. That's not what Jesus has said. He says things like Luke 9, 23. If anybody wants to come after me, anybody wants to follow me, Jesus said, let him deny himself daily, take up his cross and follow me. He deny self, let go of self, let go of all this stuff. Job and the apostle Paul would argue different in saying that they were asking, they were seeking, they were knocking, and the doors were being opened, but they found themselves in prison, the apostles. They found themselves beaten and stoned and kicked out of the city and all of these things for the name of Christ, yet God sustained them. So what is the treasure then that we are actually seeking? This is the question. Is it Ferraris and big houses and health and wealth? Hey, all of those things are fine in and of themselves. But they're not to be worshipped. And they're not to be sought after with all of our being. We are to be seeking the Lord God. We should be thankful God does not give us everything we ask for, huh? Can you imagine? What if God said yes to every prayer? You know, like a genie, you know, just like, yes, 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 yes. Everybody gets a yes. You get one, you get one, everybody gets one. What if you gave your child every single thing they wanted and you never said no to them? This is so dangerous. Aren't you happy God said no to you a couple times? What if you would have married that person? What if you would have took that job and ended up over there? What if you would have gone down that path? Aren't you thankful? 
Father knows best. God has three answers for you when you pray. He will say yes. He will say no. And he will say wait. Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Only when you wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, but only when you wait. I want my strength to be renewed. You got to wait on him then. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Point number one, if you're taking notes, what do we really need? What do we really need? If you can't see what you really need, you will ask for the wrong things. And this is like children, you know? What do kids want all the time? They want candy and chocolate and cookies. Eden calls them tookies. Daddy, I want tookies. I want two tookies. No, give me a big one. I want big one tookies. Okay, okay. I love giving her cookies. But I know too many will make her stomach hurt. So I have to help her. And the father loves to give his kids good gifts. But he doesn't want to make our stomach hurt. He doesn't want to hurt our lives. You see, if you can't see what you really need, you'll ask for the wrong things. And this is what we do many times as believers. The real problem with humans is we have a sin-infected nature. We were actually born into sin. Did you know that? Born doing wrong. Born creating problems. We are bad to the bone, blah, 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 bad. Yes, bad to the bone. This is the doctrine of sin. It's called homardiology. Homardiology is the study of sin. It deals with how sin originated. This is Bible nerd stuff, okay? It affects humanity. And it will result in death. That's why people get sick and that's why people die. It's because of sin. To sin essentially means to miss the mark. We all miss God's mark of righteousness. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Martiology then explains why we miss the mark. How we miss the mark and the consequences of missing the mark. What is the definition of sin? Sin is described in the Bible as transgression of the law of God. 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who makes practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Romans 5, 12. says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. We all inherit sin from Adam and Eve. We're born into it. So I know we like to go around and say everybody's good, and I understand what's being said when we say that. Like, generally people are good. I understand that. They, that people put off a goodness and desire for things to be good around them and to have peace. I do believe that as well. But at the root of all of our hearts is sin. And that's why crazy things happen in our hearts when we have even been very good people. We can turn around and become very mean, very angry, very upset. We all have the seeds of every sin in our hearts. Did you know that? Just given a little water and fertilizer and that thing will grow. You have to be careful never to say, I would never do that. 
and to take heed lest we fall, because we have that in us. And this is what causes us to seek and pursue, knock on God's door for all kinds of other things. Romans 6.23, praise God, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin is our disease, and Jesus is our healing. Let me say that again. Sin is our disease, and Jesus is our healing from that disease called sin. So what do we really need to be happy, content, joyful, restful, peaceful, loving people? And not be sad and never satisfied, discouraged, stressed out, depressed, hateful people? The answer is very, very clear. It is a relationship with God. A relationship with Jesus who is the healer of our sin and the healer of our heart. When we come into friendship or relationship really with any kind of person, something will change. We will change. Think about coming into relationship with a personal trainer. You're going to change, huh? You sign up for your personal training lessons and you start going and before you know it, you're changing in your health. Someone, you come into a relationship with someone who is good with money and business. Something's going to change. Someone who is happy and cheerful and encouraging all the time. Be around those people. It's fun, exciting. They're the life of the party. They pump everybody up. Or maybe somebody who you are deeply in love with. They'll change you forever too. Relationships change people. And the one relationship we are longing for is the one with our God. Notice that all of life is based around relationships. It's very interesting to me that the one place we disconnect in relationship on the planet with a lot of people is this thing of religion. It's like a bunch of do's and don'ts that you have to do, but we remove relationship from the equation when that is our whole life and our whole being is relationship. Why in the world wouldn't we relate that back to God? Our relationship with our Father. I'm so thankful that Jesus really helped reveal to us a relationship with his Father. Notice, it is not some, I don't know, distant monk in the sky or some old man with a big gray beard sitting up on some mountain in the middle of the universe that you have to go seek and, uh-oh, you know, it's like, uh, hey, can I approach? Jesus starts talking about God as a Father, what a beautiful picture. And he says it right here in our text. Ask, seek, and knock for more of God. Knock on God's door. That is what these hearts really, really want and desire. We knock on God's door for everything else because we want to fill these sinful voids in our lives. Lord, give me more money. Lord, give me more this. Give me more that. Hand over that thing. I want that position. I want that job. I want that success. I want that power. I want that status. Lord, hand it over. It's not bad in and of itself. It really isn't. It is only when we make it the priority. We need to give it to God with open hands. Lord, please, if this is your will, I trust you. Help me with this, Lord. I want to bring it before you. What if he says no? Do you still trust him? But if he says, wait, hold on, I got something better. Sometimes he says, yes. Point number two, if you're taking notes, your father says yes to what is best. 
Yeah, he does. Verse 9, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Think about that. Little boy comes up and is starving, wants a piece of bread. Pull out a stone. It's messed up. Who would ever do that? If he asks for a fish, he's going to give him a serpent, a snake? No. If you then, Jesus says, who are evil? What? Did Jesus call people evil? Yes. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. I promise, L.A. (laughs) Jesus calls them evil. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? I love this. How much more? How much more? Think about that. Measure that out. How much more does God want to give good gifts to his kids than one who is evil? The infinite one who is good, how much more? Can anybody measure? It's not just a little bit more. It's not just a truckload more. It's an ocean more. He wants to pour good things on your life forevermore and never stop pouring on your life. That is how good our God is. The faucet is open and the blessings are truly pouring. The problem is we're asking for all these other things and we're missing the most beautiful thing right in front of us. I'm so thankful God did not say yes to some of my prayers because he wanted to give me much more good things in other directions. I don't know what's best for my life. I thought I did. When I was young, I thought I knew what I needed. I thought I knew what I wanted. But man, my father knows best. He knows me better than I know myself and he knows what I need. Do you know that God's going to bless you as his child no matter what he is going to do it and you can't stop him the blessings are pouring it's really true psalm 84 11 says for the lord god is a sun and shield the lord bestows favor and honor and then the psalmist says this about our god no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly No good thing is he going to withhold. God's not over here like, man, I got this good thing for him, and nope, not going to give it to him. Just not going to give it to him. God is ready and has already opened the floodgates to give you all good things pertaining life and godliness. It is found in him. It is already found in him, and he has made a way for you to have all of it. It's sitting right there. All you have to go do is knock on God's door. What is the gift that you're seeking? What is the thing that you're talking about, Pastor? Where are these blessings? Let me tell you. The blessing, the promise, it's all found in a relationship with Him. Come on, Pastor, that's so cliche. Give me clarity. Listen. Go next door to God's house and knock on his door and talk with him about life. 
He will change, transform, and remind you of all of the promises and all that he is working in the universe. And you will then see the blessings that he is pouring into your life on a daily basis. You want to know why many times we can't see the blessings, we can't see what God is doing? It's because we don't knock on his door. We don't talk to him. Psalm 3410, the young lion The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. No good thing. You will not be in lack of it. I remember this changing in my life somewhere around 25, 26. I don't remember exactly the time, but I just remember this season to which I was causing all kinds of problems for myself in life. I was messing all kinds of things up. And I remember this moment Even though I had understanding of God, I understood his grace, I was walking with him, I was involved in the church, I was leading, I was doing all kinds of things, but I remember coming to a point where I just said, you know what, Lord, I'm just done doing it my way. No more. I'm not doing it my way anymore. I'm just going to seek you on a daily basis, I'm going to look at what your word says, and I'm going to try to apply it to my life. And I remember in that season, everything just starting to change around me. Did problems still come? Yes, but I wasn't creating problems for myself. My mindset was different. My heart was different. My life was different. I said, I'm doing it your way. I know you got all kinds of good things. You're pouring them out on me, and I'm just missing them all. God has nothing but good for you. Nothing but good. And it may not look like good to you now, but it is. And it's like trying to get a child to eat vegetables. It's like trying to get someone to work out and be healthy. It's all good, but it's not easy. Your father loves you and has nothing but good for you. It's such a struggle with kids, you know? Because you you want the best for them, and it it would be so much easier not to discipline and not eat healthy and, and not push them in the right direction. It's work, and it's difficult, and it's hard. But man, the reward is great in the end. And we do this as parents because we love our kids. And God does this for us because he loves us. He has nothing but good for you. Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what? Good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, he said it to his people back then. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope, even if they're in slavery, even if they're in prison. He says, I have a future and a hope for you. Do you believe me? Do you trust me? Your father will say yes to what is best. Keep knocking on God's door. Point number three, if you're taking notes, if God says no, continue to grow. If God says no, continue to grow, keep knocking, keep seeking him. He has something for you. Listen to this parable, this story, this picture that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 11. I'll just read it to you. Let the scriptures wash over you. Just let it minister to you. Jesus says in verse 5, Luke 11, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, 
Lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. I ain't got any food to feed him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. <clears throat> the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. It's 12 midnight. I'll talk to you in the morning. Can't you see we're sleeping? I tell you. Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impulse, his imprudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And then Jesus says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened The point Jesus is making is persistence, keep on knocking, keep on knocking on God's door, keep on knocking on your neighbor's door, you can annoy him, he's looking at the nest cam, you know, he's like, that idiot, can't he see that we're sleeping, you even yell at him from the nest door app, right, you're like, go to bed, I have no bread, he's like, yes you do, get up and help me. Keeps banging on your gore, keeps knocking, keeps knocking, keeps knocking. Guess what? You're eventually going to get out of bed. And you're going to give him that bread because of his persistence. Jesus is teaching us something. Persistence with the Father, talking with him day after day after day, after night, after morning, after day with him about these things. I was even thinking about this this morning as I was getting ready. That... We use this phrase, pray without ceasing, often. Because it's in the text. The Apostle Paul says it. This pray without ceasing sometimes we imply as if we are to stay in a state of prayer day and night, day and night, day and night. When I contrasted that with a relationship with your father, I was thinking to myself, how in the world do you stay in persistent conversation with your father here on earth day and night, day and night. And I thought to myself, I don't think that that is what Paul is implying. Pray without ceasing is a mindset to which we can call on the Father anytime we want. We can text him anytime. We can pray to him. We can talk with him anytime. Or pray without ceasing, a continual repetition of persistence that maybe once a day, maybe three times a day like Daniel. Are these guys in sin because they weren't in a perpetual state of prayer? Of course not. But to be in relationship with somebody is to be talking with them. And I think about the relationship that I have with my daughter. And I just talk to her multiple times a day. And as she grows, I'm sure we're going to take walks and we will talk together. Maybe it will be one great conversation per day in which I seek her and spend time with her. And she seeks and finds me. This is not a religious act of repetition. This is a relationship with our Father Keep knocking on his door day after day. Lord, I want to bring this before you again. Help me, Lord. Give me wisdom. What do you think? Reveal this to me. Help me to see. I don't know what to do. The Lord says no when he answers the door of our prayers today. He must have something better. It's time to grow and just keep knocking every day. 
And as long as I wake up each day and knock on the Lord's door, He will open and give me what I need each day. He will tell me what to do. He will show me the way of life. There are people that you talk to every day. And I am sure that they cannot give you the perfect way of life. You may love them, adore them, be connected to them, have a blast with them, but the one that you know who can give you the path of life and wisdom and all that you need is your Father. It is a relationship with your God, going to Him in prayer, in His Word, singing to Him, spending time with Him each day. I love this verse found in Genesis 5, verse 21. This is a man named Enoch. Enoch, what a name, huh? What's your name, man? Enoch. Whoa. Check out what he named his son. It says when Enoch had lived 65 years, 65 years old, he fathered Methuselah. What's your name? Methuselah. Well, you got a problem with that? No. It says in verse 22 that Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years and it says Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Enoch walked with God. I love that there is not any more detail of his life except for the fact that he walked with God and he had kids. That's it. It's like, Lord, could you give us a little more detail on what that walk with God looked like? He says, no, he just walked with God for 300 years. I see a man just waking up every day, takes a walk with the Lord, prays with him, talks to him about his family and his kids and the work for today and all that he has going on, and then he wakes up the next morning and keeps doing the same thing for 300 years. I would love my name to be in there somewhere. And Josh walked with God 10 years, and he was not for God took him. 300 years of just walking and talking with God. Magical. If we could be consistent in anything in life, let it be that. It was not an Enoch worked out 300 years. Enoch worked every day for 300 years. No, Enoch walked with God for 300 years, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch was someone raptured off the earth, taken off the earth, right off the earth. He never died. The text never reveals that he died. It says that God took him off the earth. I think God was, they were in one of their final conversations after 300 years of walking and talking, and the Lord says, Enoch, we, you know, we talk every single day down here. Why don't you just come up here, okay? Come on up. Come on. Here we go. Let's go. Okay, we're done. That's it. It's simple. Walk with the Lord. Wake up in the morning. Knock on his door. Seek him. Talk to him. Ask him. <clears throat> listen to him daily. I dare you to ask and then just wait and listen. I dare you to ask and pull out your journal and just sit there with a pen or pencil and just wait and listen. Let the Lord bring scripture to your heart. Let the Lord remind you of things. Let the Lord impress certain things on you. Remember one of my mentors, John Corson, he would tell us that in the mornings he would sit down with the Lord and he would pray. He'd actually go on walks with the Lord and when he'd get back, he'd sit down and he'd just listen. He said he'd say things like, 
take my oldest daughter out to ice cream today. Make sure to go and encourage my son in this. Make sure to go and love on my wife in this way. He would just wait for impressions and ideas to come on his heart, being reminded of truths, reminded of scripture, reminded of good things. He's not smart enough or wise enough to oversee a church and manage a family and keep a good marriage and take care of kids and, and, and move forward in life. How do you do it? You just got to seek the Lord one day at a time. Go talk with him. Lord, help me. Give me wisdom. What, Lord, what's going on? What should I do? Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. It's going to be shown to you each step of the way, each little movement. You ever see a child be told no? And they do it anyways and end up hurting themselves. Get off that railing, get off that fence, you're gonna fall and hurt yourself. The Lord's telling you, you go to Him in prayer each day and He starts revealing, telling you, I gotta get away from this. I gotta... Get off that fence. You fall off and you break a leg, kid scrapes their knee. Get away from that beehive, stop swatting at those bees. Remember my grandma telling me that. What did we do? We took rocks and we threw them into the hive. I got stung right in the forehead. <laughs> got stung here. We have to learn the hard way. But notice if we're just in relationship with our Father, one day at a time, just think about how God will be revealing truth to you on a daily basis, giving you all the wisdom that you need for each situation, each thing that you're going through. He's going to carry you through, and then it's going to say at the end of your life, so-and-so walked with God all of their life. Point number four and finally as we close, pray what God will always say yes to. Just pray what God will always say yes to. What prayer will God always say yes to you? Lord, I want more of you. I need a deeper relationship with you. I want your will above mine. I need your forgiveness in my life. I need you to work in my life. God says, yes, 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 yes. Every time. Isn't that the root of all that we need, family? All that we need and long for is found in a relationship with him. And I'm telling you, if you have Jesus, you have everything. If you have him, you have everything, for he owns everything. All things belong to him. All things were created by him and for him. He holds all knowledge, power, and wisdom. It's all found in him. And here we are, scouring the earth, looking for all of these things. It's right there under your nose. Go knock on God's door. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. All things. What does this look like practically? Marriage problems. Go knock on God's door. Depression. Go knock on God's door. Anxiety. Go knock on God's door. Hatred. Go knock on God's door. 
Friendship and family problems, go knock on God's door. Loneliness, go knock on God's door. Finances, knock on his door. Pain, grief, trials and problems, knock on his door. Acceptance of others, the fear of man, go knock on his door. Insecurities, knock on God's door. Sin struggles, go knock on God's door. It's all there. It's all sitting right there. He is your neighbor. He's right next door. Go knock on the door. Even if it's 12 midnight, surely he will get up and answer. If you seek me, you will find me, he says. He's not lying. He loves you. You're his child. He wants a relationship with you. All that we need is found in a closer relationship with him. Second Samuel 14, 14. I want to read this scripture. This one, I forgot about this scripture and it absolutely ministered once again. The final scripture for you. Second Samuel 14, 14 says, All of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. The text says that he devises ways to bring us back to him when we have been separated from him. I love this. Maybe there's too much rope and you've gone out too far and you're out in the waves and you're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to get pulled back in. I'm drowning over here. He is devising ways and plans to rope you back in and get you back on that ship in a safe place. He's doing it today. He's doing it right now. You know what we need to do? We need to go knock on God's door. Are you ready? I'm going to go knock on the doors of heaven right now. If you want to go with me, you can. We're going to go ask the Father if he'd meet us. Let's pray. Lord, we come knocking on your door now. Father in heaven, do you hear us? Do you hear us? We come knocking on your door, Lord, asking that you would please answer. Would you open the doors of heaven even in this moment? Lord, you know our questions. You see all of the questions gathered here right now in your church. You see our hearts, you see our minds, you see our questions, you know what we're going through, you know what we need help in, you know where we're at. Lord, do you hear us? Please hear our prayers. Father, I ask now, please, would you meet us? Would you allow us to draw close to you? We look to your work on the earth right now. We remember, Jesus, that you came to this earth to forgive our sins, to die for our sins so that it could be wiped away and we can approach your door anytime we want to. 
no longer seen as left in sin, but fully worthy to approach your door and knock any time we desire. We can come boldly into your throne of grace. And so we do so in this moment now, Lord. We ask that you would forgive us, and we ask, Lord, that you would revive us, and we ask, Lord, that you would bring us close in relationship with you. I pray that your, your children, Father, would sense you near and that the relationship would be renewed even in this moment, that we'd turn away from all the other doors we're knocking on. We'd come to your door, spend time with you. Lord, I pray for a renewal of re relationship in this place that we, your people, would come to seek you each day, each morning, and find you. And Lord, I pray for all these burdens being carried right now. I pray that we would be able to lift them to you, now spiritually lift them into your hands, our questions, our problems, our desires. Father, we ask for wisdom in this moment. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us the knowledge we need. Lord, give us the comfort and the rest and the peace we need. We don't know how to get through these things. We don't know how to make things right in these situations in life. We come asking that you would do this work. Father, your servant is listening. Your sons and daughters are listening. Reveal to us your truth. Reveal to us what you desire. We thank you that you're available. We thank you, the door's always open. We love you, King. We are committed to you forever. We give our lives over to you once again this day. Go with us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.